Hello, ladies and men and non-binary friends. This is Symphony Sit-Down, a show where we talk about living life as a millennial musician. I'm Sam Carl. And I'm Tyler Menzel. And we are your hosts. We're both conservatory-trained musicians living in Montana, of all places. Well, Tyler, it's been another few weeks. How are you? I'm doing all right. The weather is getting warmer and warmer and warmer, and I'm getting more and more and more eager to get outside. <laughs> it's You know that you're getting older and you're not in, like, you're getting past your early 20s when you start talking about the weather. <laughs> For, like, you're just, uh, right. that's just. <laughs> How is the weather here today? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's great. I'm just my favorite thing when it turns to this weather is just to go outside and do nothing. Like I'll go outside and lie in the grass and just do absolutely nothing. <laughs> and it's it's just like a great it's a great time for me. I wish but I had that option. I I I don't, but I I, I still do it. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, but because of the because of the weather, you know, let's let's we're gonna have some story time today because we've done this um, a few episodes now, and I think our listeners should know a little bit more about us as people. Absolutely. And so we're gonna talk about our musical journeys today. So let's like start with the 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 basic of basics. When did you start music lessons? What instrument? Where? Why? What were you doing? Right. Were you in diapers? <laughs> Tyler James Menzel was born on August 31st. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, James, I don't even know that. Well, we've talked about this. I'm a Virgo. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Um, So the start of my my musicalness, right? That's where we're starting? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, Well... Both of my sisters, so I have two older sisters, which is important for the context of the story. <laughs> I have a, a sister who is five years older than me and a sister who's 10 years older than me. And both of them um, played in band. And so I have like very vague recollections of going to maybe like their band concerts or maybe hearing them practice, but like very vague. Like it's, it was definitely not ever at the forefront of anything that I thought about my sisters. Um, so I got the chance to try out instruments in fifth grade, um, because fifth grade was when everyone joined band and we only had band at my school, no orchestra. Um, I know. And so, but like, honestly, I'm, I am not even coordinated enough to this day to play a string (laughs) instrument. Like it would be a catastrophe. I definitely ended up with the right piece of metal in my hands. Um, (laughs) but I got the chance to play a bunch of instruments. And so my oldest sister played the trumpet. And so I brought in this trumpet and like I could play it. And that was, that was actually the instrument that I started out on. But get this, I really wanted to play the clarinet. Like I, I wanted so hard to be able to play the clarinet and I tried it and it literally, I could not make a sound on it. (laughs) 
You wanted to be Squidward. Right. And that's what you wanted. <laughs> I didn't even think Squidward existed yet when I was in fifth grade. Yeah, he totally did. He had to have, right? right? Yeah, so I'm else? a couple years older than you. No, like two. <laughs> but I wanted so hard to play the clarinet, and it just, I could not get a sound on it. And so the band director was like, well, obviously you should play the trumpet. Fast forward a couple years. Um, I had found my middle sister's flute, like in the back of a closet the one day, pulled it out. I could make a sound on it. I basically like taught myself the fingerings for the flute. Um, that was such good. Yeah. And so the choir director at my middle school was actually a flutist by training. Um, she was our choir director because she was a music educator, right? She she knew how to do pretty much everything in terms of school music. Um, but I ended up taking flute lessons from her. And then the rest is kind of history. So that's that's where I started. <laughs> where did, where did, because I know you could play a pretty mean piano if you need to. Oh, yeah. Um, when did, when did that come in? So, um, also in middle school, we, so if you become a, um, if you go to get a music education degree, you have to do at least a semester of teaching, right? In, in a public school. And so when I was in middle school, we had this guy whose name is Alex Jolt, um, who came to be our, like our teaching assistant. And he was an amazing pianist. Um, and I remember he actually, he does his own, um, arrangements and orchestrations and things like that. He's a recording artist. He lives in Nashville now, um, as far as I know. Um, but I heard him do his own arrangement of Ode to Joy with like this big grand orchestral backing on one of our concerts. And it was like, that was one of those revelation moments where I was like, oh my God, I need to know how to play like this. <laughs> and so I begged and begged and begged my parents for the longest time um, to get me piano lessons. And they said, Yes, eventually, but it was also like I was taking flute lessons and piano lessons. And I think like, you know, looking back on it now, they're very glad that they they let me Damn. do both of those I mean, things. Look at, like you're amazing. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I said right, yes, I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't mean it that way at all. But thank uh, you. Flute moment. Um yeah, so that's that's kind of all where piano started. Like every my whole musical experience everything started like within one year of each other that's really yeah that's really interesting yeah what about you <sighs> oh oh dear so i started earlier than you surprisingly right most string players do yeah we start when we're when we're babies so then like we can get out all the terrible scratchy noises by the time we're in fifth grade <laughs> <laughs> um i so I started when I was, I think, around five, and I um, played violin, and I took Suzuki classes. And Suzuki, for you listeners who don't know, it's just a teaching method where um, you learn in a group, and you know, you and you have your individual lesson, and you also have your group lesson with everybody, like once a month. And so I play, and you know, I still am friends with a couple of those people, believe it or not. Um, but I was, so I was in, I played violin and I was in my violin Suzuki group 
And, you know, I was actually talking to my teacher the other day, who was my first ever teacher of any musical instrument. She plays in the Billing Symphony as well. Um, So I was um, talking to her just about, just about back in the day when she used to give me gummy bears for memorizing a song. Um, Oh, a piece. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I'm one of those people. Um, But yes, so I played violin for a while and I got I I was pretty good. I got pretty far. I think the last thing I played was, you know, a Bach double something, something or something around there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in the summers is when I did most of my practicing. But the further I went with violin, the more and more I like was unmotivated. So I would like, I was like a big video gamer when I was younger. I still am, but you know, (laughs) um, but I would practice for like 30 minutes and I would go play video games in the summer. (laughs) I wouldn't, I would not go outside. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Um, and one time I like put my violin away, but then I like tripped or something and it fell on the ground. Like it fell and I didn't, care so i knew i needed a change (laughs) it was when i saw it on the ground and i was just like well i guess i'll pick it up i'm like okay sam maybe you need to reevaluate your life choices um but yeah i'm at this time my sister actually because my sister is relevant to the story too she played cello and um was playing like famous pieces like the saint sans concerto number one and like the foray elegy just like pieces that everybody knows that the cello plays mm-hmm. but the box suites you know and i loved it but i didn't want to carry around a cello so then viola was a compromise but it was kind of my dad who says like who kind of convinced me he's like you should you should do viola if you like cello but don't want to carry it around mm-hmm. um so and then I never looked back and I, I really cared about, I really cared about viola and the sound was so much better for me. I was also in choir. I sang alto because my voice is incredibly high. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I sang alto, but other than that, no piano. No, like I, I, to this day, like the piano thing, the mirror, I'm not coordinated enough for the mirror hands. Like I, I never understood that me taking piano classes in college. <laughs> oh, I was, I was bad. I was, I, I think it was my smile that got me through piano proficiency. <laughs> um, I think it was my smile, but yeah. So what was the, the moment that like you knew that you wanted to pursue music, not only as a hobby? Cause I think we get interested in music as, as a hobby, but then there's a point where we were like, no, this is going to be my career. Like this is going to be something that I really shoot for. Mm. When, when, when was that moment? Do you remember that? Um, I remember a, like a very defining moment when I knew that I wanted to be a flutist. Um, I don't know if I really have a defining moment of like knowing when I wanted to pursue music full time. I just always remember it kind of being there. Um, Like I, for the longest time wanted to be a band director. And that is because I idolized, (laughs) I idolized my middle school band director. Um, just so hardcore. I mean, she really, she is an amazing person, like an amazing person, amazing educator, um, like totally just owe the world to her, um, as a musician. 
Um, and so I really wanted to do that for the longest time, but, um, I belonged to, um, this music club in my hometown, which was basically, um, it was mostly like violinists, pianists, um, who gathered, it was either once a week or every other week. And we would all kind of like play for each other and, um, or we'd have someone come and play for us, or it would be a masterclass, like that sort of situation. That's Um, awesome. And this happened at this place called the St. Cecilia Music Society. Um, which is in downtown where, Grand where Rapids, did you Michigan. Say this was? Oh, yeah, which oh, is where okay. I grew up. Um, and so they would also host symphony concerts there um, because they had this very large, nice auditorium. And so I got a free ticket to go to one of the symphony concerts that night. And on the program was um, Debussy's Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fawn. Oh, that was the that was the defining singer. yeah that was the defining <laughs> flute moment. It was just one of those things where like. Of course, I had played the flute um, for a couple of years, quite a few years, actually, probably up until that point. But I had never heard a flute sound like that before. Um, and that was Chris Kantner, who is Ooh. who mm-hmm. has been the principal of the Grand Rapids Symphony since 1976, still is the principal flutist of the symphony. There you yeah. go. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to study with him later on in high school, but... Yeah, it was like, that was the moment where I was just like, oh my goodness, I need to be able to sound like him. And, you know, if I can, if I can sound like him, you know, because it was just, it was such a transformative experience for me that I wanted to be able to be in his shoes and give that same experience to someone else. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What no, about you? I'm just I'm I'm still stuck on Mr. Menzel, the band director. Like, I'm still stuck there. <laughs> that would <laughs> not have be- been a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I love kids, I really do. Um, and I I teach some young kids as students, but like imagining a room of like eighty kids all at once. I no no thank you. No, there's there's just so much respect for the people who do do that. Yeah, though. no kidding. Like, Mad that, props to the band directors props. and orchestra directors. Yeah, they are strong, resilient yeah. people. Anyone who deals they, with that many children day in and day yeah. out. I mean, seriously, hats off to you, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my studio right now is very small, and I like it that way. I call it my boutique studio. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I I try to keep it to like five students or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, I do. I have a, a pretty funny story, actually, about when I knew that I wanted to pursue music. Um, I was a sophomore in high school oh. and um, I was doing music regularly. I was practicing regularly. I was motivated like I, I was. I it was my extracurricular back in the days when kids didn't do like 80 things. Right. And like I just did music. So like it was my it was my thing. Same. Um, so I never wanted to be a band director though. Um, <laughs> I'm just never going to let that go. Um, but uh, I was actually on a vacation with my family. It was very, it was very iconic and I'll let you know why soon. Um, but we went down to Yellowstone because we live not too far from Yellowstone. It's like three hour drive maybe mm-hmm. to like yep. Jackson Lake Lodge and like the Tetons and everything. Um, so like we, we kind of go through Yellowstone and then go to the Tetons. We do kind of, we do a round, a round trip sort of thing, get hit, hit all the great, beautiful nature things. And, um, yeah. So like I have 
an uncanny ability to get very sick on any sort of travel oh. or, or trip. And, um, like it, it just, I just do. And, um, so we were, so we got to a cabin in Yellowstone, which was our first day, which our first night there, super retro, like red carpet that was longer than some people's hair. Oh. Like, like it was like in wood, <laughs> like wood, very retro. And, um, we had to eat some KFC. I have not eaten KFC since that day. Oh. I refuse to. I got horrible food poisoning. Horrible. It, like, so bad. And, like, the first day of the vacation, I had to stay stay in the cabin. Oh, I was no. just like, I'm not going. Because I'm like, I'm just going to. And I watched Seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> the whole day. I watched Seinfeld the whole day. I was there. But the next day, I was feeling a little bit better. I was still feeling not so good, but uh, good enough to 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 get out. And because we're in Yellowstone, it's beautiful. I can't just like stay in all the time. And I remember riding around with my dad and it was very rainy and misty and it was very beautiful looking, very English countryside, you know, that like gray, but like I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I put in a CD of Helen Callis, who is the viola professor now at uh, Northwestern. She used to teach at Santa Barbara when I first listened to this. Um, and it had the Rebecca Clark Viola Sonata, and I listened to it, and because it's a piece I've liked, but like I listened to it, and I and I was sick, and it was the only thing that made me feel like better. Huh. And it and it was the only thing that like I didn't feel as gross, and you know my dad and I were talking, so it wasn't like going super loud in the car or anything, but I was just surrounded by the nature, and I was surrounded by my dad, who I love, and it. It, it it was just like, this is what I need to do. If this can make me feel better when I feel like crap, you know, I want to give this to myself and give this to other people. Yeah. And so my brother, on the other hand, had a double down sandwich from KFC. A, like, and that's the one where the there's no buns. The buns are two chicken patties. Oh, gosh. And then with the, and he didn't get sick at all. He was just fine. Oh. Like, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I knew, I knew, that was the time where I'm like, that's where I knew that I really had to take it seriously. But moving moving forward, you know, we, we took it seriously. We both went to music school. We both received our master's. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get your undergrad? Where'd you get your master's? And how was life as a music student for you? Um, I... Well, I actually, in high school, went to um, Interlochen Arts Academy for my well. yeah, my junior and senior year, um, which that was just, I mean, that was such an amazing experience. I mean, I, I was in public school before that. And really, I mean, looking back on it, my public school music program was a very good one. Um, but like definitely my music teachers told my parents that I needed to be somewhere where I could dedicate more time to it. And I mean, I, I had experiences and made friendships that like are still with me to this day at Interlochen. And that was really kind of what propelled me into my college career. Um, So I did my undergrad at the Eastman school of music um, studying with Bonnie Boyd. And I, um, I did my master's at the Juilliard School studying with uh, Robert Langevin. And 
I loved my college experience. I mean, it was, um, I seriously could not have asked for any better college experience. Um, Eastman was a very, it's a, it is a very, I mean, most music conservatories are small, right? That's what makes them a conservatory. They're, they're highly selective. Um, but Eastman, very small knit community, Rochester, New York, you know, kind of a mid-sized city. Um, but like everyone just banded together so much, especially the flute studio and, and Bonnie was like this mother or just like this grandmotherly spirit, um, who was so caring, so nurturing, um, but also kind of knew when to give you some tough love when you needed it. Yeah. But like, that's important. Right. She is always willing to stick her neck out for students though. I mean, like, um, there have been times where, um, like, uh, there was a professional audition that I really wanted to take and my resume didn't make it through the first round. And so Bonnie literally called a former student of hers who was a flutist in that symphony at the time and on my behalf and said, you know, you really need to listen to this guy. Um, similarly with, with, a that is amazing. Yeah. Similarly with my master's auditions, there was one school where I didn't get past pre-screening and she did the same thing. She called up the, um, the flute teacher at this particular conservatory and said, I I think you've made a mistake. (laughs) And they then allowed me to, to have an audition. So there are moments like that where, I mean, I, I literally, I, I can't be any more grateful. Um, and then studying at Juilliard was um was different for sure um like your undergrad <laughs> that's like a it's different it, like it's good no 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 but no it was <laughs> it really was good um but it's you know it's just different like the experience of being an undergrad versus being a graduate student is totally different <laughs> undergrad you know you're with the same people for four years you're in the same place for four years you know same teachers all of that um and you know, through a majority of that, you're either living in a dorm setting or you're living yeah. with other people, right? Um, your master's, master's degree, it, more it just feels so short. You know, I mean, two yeah. years is oh, yeah. two years is not a lot of time for me. I was living in New York City, right? So huge city, um, so much to do, so many people to see. Um, and in New York City, I mean, it's like you you just can't live close to Lincoln center. I mean, you can't like, I was poor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I had to live in Queens and then later Washington Heights. Um, so I spent a good amount of time commuting. Um, and so I didn't have a ton of close friends, um, at the school, like I did at Eastman. Um, yeah, because you need to get home on time. Right. And, and I mean, that's like that's just through no fault of, of the school or, or no, anything, really. No. But um, yeah, just totally a different experience. But also, you know, when I was at Juilliard, I was like totally one track mind on, you know, just like becoming the next orchestral flutist. And so I spent the majority of my time in the practice room. I did a fair amount of teaching while I was at Juilliard as well. Um, but, you know, my, my focus was more on really honing my skill um, and less about those um, those formative experience that you would have as an undergrad. Yeah. 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 And you, you taught ear training, right? I did. Yeah. I was an ear training fellow, which was awesome. I totally love that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I want to do it again. I would. I totally would. 
What about you? You started at University of Montana, right? Yes, I did. I started at a state school because I like to start small and then like blossom later. Right. That's, that's like, I'm the underdog here. Um, but, you know, when I first went to music school, I cared more about, you know, what the music was about. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did a lot of research and I wrote a lot of papers and scholarly essays in my undergrad. And that was the thing that was, I was so grateful for, um, about studying at a state school. You know, I had, um, the music history professor at U, U of M, Dr. James Randall. He's highly intelligent and very insightful and very forward thinking. And in a field like music history, not a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you also but- had a big passion for writing as well, right? I, I did, Which, and I, yeah, yeah, I think it's great that it, you know, like at at universities, that's definitely something where you are you're afforded that opportunity to pursue that. Whereas at a conservatory, probably not so much. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And before I even did music, I was an English major, which is fun to know about me. Huh. But then I think we all were English majors at one point. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I, folk, my focus was on poetry. So I have a lot, I still write a lot of poetry nowadays. But, you know, it's, it's hidden away from the world. It's my thing. Um, but I... Yeah, I cared more about the origin of pieces and where music comes from. And I wrote a lot, uh, like I said, I wrote a lot of essays and I wrote a lot of essays on women composers and gender and sexuality represented in music. Hmm. So I, um, yeah, I got to learn a lot about music I've never heard of before. And I, you know, studied with a great teacher, um, Dr. Margaret Nichols Baldridge. And she um, is the violin and viola professor at U of M. And she, um, just is a strong woman and I think it's one of the there are so many women influencers in my musical life that you know I just really wanted to pursue like where were these people in the past like why were they so suppressed and you know so I wrote a lot of scholarly articles about that especially Rebecca Clark was um the biggest one that I that I researched and studied but um, yes. After that, though, I kind of chose to go more of a uh, performance route, and I did my master's um, at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, and I studied with the current principal violist of the San Francisco Symphony, Jonathan Vinicor. And I was just shocked that I could even get in <laughs> and um, study with him, out of all the people. And uh, with the, uh, my studio was three people. Like, it was so small. Yeah, I had like, a it very was teeny, teeny, teeny. Yeah. And um, I cared more about the physicality of the instrument in my master's. I spent more time in the practice room commuting. I lived in San Francisco, like near Chinatown. Mm. And I also lived in Soma. So, like, right downtown, basically, right smack dab in the middle. And, um, yeah, I, I spent my time getting around the, around the city and I cared more about just like, I really want to play my instrument well because in my undergrad, I focused more about like what music means and not like I, pl- I practiced, but like I, I just realized how much I didn't at the same time. Yeah. So it made me motivated to really go and 
you know, to study with Jonathan. He is like one of the most, the nicest old souls that you will ever meet. And he actually grew up in Rochester and studied with George Taylor and Eastman when he was, when he was a young. So, yeah. Um, I think that's but, an important distinction too, to make for maybe the folks who are listening, who are not quite so um, familiar with like university versus conservatory. Um, you know, at a university, there, there are a certain set of like core classes that you need to take, you know, in the liberal arts that, that are necessary to get your degree. When you go to a conservatory, I mean, it's, it's pretty much entirely focused on your, your major area. Like when I went to Eastman, even as an undergrad, um, I didn't have to take any, you know, math or science classes I had to take one writing class in my freshman year. And that was to make sure that you could, you know, like produce complete sentences. Um, (laughs) But really other than that, every, everything was music focused unless you chose to make it otherwise. Yeah. And then going to a a university, like I had to take science courses. I took, I took a lot of, I took a lot of gender and sexuality courses Mm -hmm. or music history um for the essays that i was writing but um yeah and i took i took math <laughs> i actually brought my i this person who was a stranger to me but we became friends through this math class she would bring her ipad and we would just watch movies <laughs> well, well that's how much i cared about math right. um but i wasn't bad at math i just didn't like it yeah i um, think you know but, like university yeah. versus conservatory is just totally a person by person thing and you just got to decide what's right for you. Yeah. And it, no journey is lesser than the other. Right. And I think a lot of people who have gone to only state schools or who have like, yes, conservatories are pretty and shiny and all of that. And that you do get a great education there, but you know, there's something to be said about getting that liberal arts education. Yeah. There's something like you should never be ashamed of it as a musician because like you're, you're going to, you're like, I, I mean, you have brilliant skills of just outside of music as well. And you just went to the conservatory. Like you, you can't have it all. Right. Um, and <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but um, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, if I, you know, if I only had an orchestra job, I would go crazy. Yeah. We like, talked that about is not, this. <laughs> yeah. That is not my, like, I love being an orchestra, but you know, I wouldn't love it if I went there every day and practiced six hours a day and then performed every week. Like I would, I would get so over it because like, I, I think music is more than that for me. And I, I like writing about it and I like doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is, you know, I like bringing music to people and that's why I'm the executive director of the youth orchestra in Billings because I, I love bringing music to people because I know how much it impacted me and how necessary that is for people. Yeah, I think that's like the story of the millennial musician in general is that, you know, it's it's so much more than just having one source of of cash. Um, you know, it's, it's just so much more than that. It's making sure that you're fulfilled in all areas of your life, as opposed to just having a steady flow of income from an orchestra job. And I mean, there are some folks who are, who do that and are going to continue to do that. And that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's music, not everybody's cup of tea. Right. Music as a career has come so far in the past couple (laughs) decades that, you know, there really, there is no one right way to be a musician in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Which is excellent, which is excellent to me. 
Um, but if you could go, if you could go back in time and change something about your musical journey or tell, tell baby Tyler mm-hmm. any, something, what would you say? Where would you go back to and what would you say? I honestly would not really change much. I mean, I am, I'm so happy with, I'm, I'm a person that believes that, you know, like the experiences that you have formulate you into the person that you are now. Um, yeah. and not to say See, that, that's healthy, right? Not to say <laughs> that I love myself, but no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am and, and where I've come from and where I'm going to. Um, but I think if I could go back and just give, you know, like baby Tyler, a, a bit of advice is to just enjoy it a little bit more. You know, I mean, when you're in school and, yeah. um, when you're trying to get a job, it's just this frenzy of like questioning and self-doubt and you know things like that um where you know you have to forget that like music as a career is something that we get to do right yeah and um so to just enjoy the process a little bit more that would be my biggest piece of advice to myself and to everyone else yeah yeah i think mine's mine's pretty similar too where, you know, I wish I could go back and tell myself that, you know, music is a science as well as an art. And the only way that you can really improve your music for sure is to go out and experience life. Totally. Like, and I think, I think it's the same with writing too, because I love, I, I love writing and I, and I, you don't, you don't want to see how much, how many journals I've used in my lifetime. It's scary. The amount of trees that I've gone through. Um, I still refuse to type it out. <laughs> I will only write it. But, um, you know, th- what makes a good writer is not that they like got a doctorate at Cornell. Like they didn't, you know, they, what makes a good writer is that they, they went out and they experienced life right. in the process. And it's the same with music. I think the best musicians have interesting stories to tell and, you know, they're, it, it, it that's so I, I want to tell myself just instead of just to instead of being in the practice room and panicking just saying hey sam put it away go out have a beer with your friends enjoy the night and come back to your instrument and feel refreshed yeah for me it's those life moments that make me want to practice exactly yeah and so you know i think um, it's not the other way around, you know, it's not like your practicing makes you want to have life moments, you know, you're, you're yeah. always trying to bring those outside experiences to your instrument and to the music somehow. And if you ignore that part of the process, that's what makes music making interesting is when you try to interrelate all of your, your life experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you headed now? What do you want? Where do you see grandpa tyler (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean i would still love to have a a full-time um performing gig uh if i were to be hired on as a a flutist in a in a major american symphony orchestra not even american just a major orchestra in general um i would still be totally fine with that like we had talked about earlier i would have to have something else on the side um but i think my ideal um, career track still would be somewhere where I'm performing regularly and somewhere where I'm also teaching regularly. Um, when I was at Juilliard, we talked about this, that I, um, I taught, uh, ear training or oral skills, whatever name you want to give to it, um, in the college setting. And I just, I love teaching college kids. Um, 
there's just something about it, you know, where you have a good personality for that. Well, and I mean, college kids are just so eager and, you know, they're like sponges. I mean, they're just, they're trying to absorb everything that they can. And, um, you know, as someone who goes through that whole process, you just, I've never been one to try to like hide secrets or anything like that from, from other people. Like I am very much a, a sharer, you know? So if I find something that works for me that I could, that I think could work for someone else, I'm totally going to share it with people. Um, and so for me, (laughs) it's just something that I kind of discovered as I go along that I really do have a passion for teaching. Um, and you know, younger kids are fine, but I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm more suited to, uh, the adults. But what about you? You've got a a super multifaceted career so far. Where do you see yourself heading? You know, it's it, it it whatever comes my way. Um, I I think you know my I guess my my mission is to bring music to people in a unique way, and I think a lot of the time, you know, we think of education, music education, and going into charter schools or going into schools that don't have music programs and bringing music to them, and that's necessary and we need that, mm-hmm. but we need something else, and. You know, I I love writing and, you know, I've been working on my own writing with musical topics, which is not fun. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's fulfilling, but it's it's hard to talk about a thing that has no visual. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, you know, see myself performing in not a top tier orchestra, but an orchestra where I'm living. I just want to impact the community that I live in every everywhere I go, wherever I go. And I, do, I want to enrich those people's lives. You know, that's what I'm passionate about. So like whether it's teaching or being part of the symphony or doing this podcast, you know, this is, this was, you know, I'm so glad that you're here with me doing it because this was been one of my, one of my dreams and goals for like so long because I wanted to either make a YouTube channel or write a blog or I just didn't know what was right for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, when I when we started recording and just talking about it over the phone, I was just like, "This is it! Like this is this is what I want to do." You know, show people that like music isn't just performance. We do get paid. This is a career, yeah, and definitely. like it, I want to show the good, the bad, and most definitely the ugly, <laughs> because that is that's what's interesting about totally. it. Totally. Yeah, I think most musicians probably go into this because you know, someone or something had an impact on them and they're trying to just, you know, give that impact to someone else. You know, yeah. we, we talk about it all the time, you know, kind of in like a, in an inspirational and uplifting way. Um, and it is, but I think it, it holds more value than we maybe give on a day-to-day basis is, I mean, the reality is as a performer that you know, you're, you're probably going to play for thousands of people in your lifetime. And, you know, you're maybe going to meet like a fraction of a percent of those people. Um, But the reality is, is that, you know, even if you're touching one person's life in, in some small fraction of a way, I think it was Leonard Bernstein who said, um, you know, like, does music have the power to change the world? No but it does have the power to change people, right? And then people are the ones yeah. who will change the world. They'll change so, the world. Yeah, that's, that's always what I try to think of in my music making is, you know, what, 
what sort of impact do I want to make or what, what do I want people to come away from, um, to come away from this experience with? And I think regardless yeah. of whether or not you're, you're performing or teaching or doing something on the administrative side, like you are making an impact in your community. All of it's important. Yeah, for sure. But I think with that Leonard Bernstein quote, I think that's a good uh, stopping point for this podcast. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you for having me. Hello, ladies and men and non-binary friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Symphony Sit Down. If you have any requests for future episodes, comment below or send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram. If you're interested in sponsoring Symphony Sit Down, send us an email at symphonysitdown at gmail.com. And as always, like this episode and make sure to subscribe and share with your friends. We upload a new episode every other week. Take care and have a wonderful day. Musically yours, Sam and Tyler.